Hey everyone, and welcome to Theonomony, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theonomony. Booker T. Washington did not have a prestigious upbringing with a great education. He was a former slave, lived in a shanty town of other former slaves and then cleaned for a Christian couple. He dreamed about getting a great education, but here he was working to try to make ends meet. He had no formal education, and with each passing day, he was getting older, and the chances of getting the education he dreamed of grew slimmer and slimmer. Without going into all of the details of his life, Although George Grant has a great hour-long lecture on Booker T. Washington that you can find online. Washington, with a lot of hard work, overworking himself really, since as an adult he collapsed of exhaustion multiple times and probably shortened his life because of it. By his hard work, Booker T. Washington got a good education, became a teacher to many young people, especially former slaves, and change the lives of millions in America when you consider the lasting legacy of not just those whose lives he directly touched, but the lives that their lives touched as well. How many people would look at all that Booker T. Washington did in his life when looking at the last few decades of it and think that they could never do that? The thing is, If you look at the first decade of his life, most of it spent as a slave, all you listening probably have a much better chance of doing the things he did than Booker had when he was 9 or 10 years old. But he worked hard and sought to serve God with his life and became the man who would have such a massive legacy and improve the lives of millions, in fact, even tens of millions, when we once again consider not just the lives he directly touched, but the lives that those people influenced as well. A lot of people look at those with great success, such as Booker T. Washington, and they think, I could never get there. They think, I can't do that. They think that person who excels in whatever area it is has some crazy, really good gifting that they do not, or that he had some great parents to help him get started on it, or he's been studying the needed skills for this practically from birth and there is no way anyone else could ever catch up, or some other reason why that person is doing whatever great things he is doing, and there's just no way on earth I could never get there. So why even try? The thing with all of that is that if you think like that, you are probably right. You will never get there. You will never catch up to that person. But if we can change our thinking on it and understand a few things, things that 
honestly are pretty simple. You can catch up to or even surpass many of those people you think are so far ahead. In other words, we will be debunking the excuse of, I can't do that. Before we go further into this episode, I just want to ask y'all to subscribe to Theana Money on your favorite podcast catcher if you haven't already done so, and tell your friends about it. Shoot them a text or a Facebook message or something to send them a link to this episode or another one that interests you and tell them, hey, I like this and I thought you would as well and want you to check it out. And one other thing, I just want to recommend there was an interview that A.D. Robles and Marcus Pittman recently did, I think about a week ago, in the time this drops. And it was just really good. I'm going to throw a link in the description. And I think it would just benefit you all to listen to that interview because it was really good and they talked about some important things there. Now, getting back to the topic of this episode, the key to this is that while a lot of work is involved, a little work at a time over a long period of time will get you there and in fact may make you better off when you get to the finish line. Let me explain. Your brain can only handle so much new information at a time without having some gaps. Now, how much that is will be different for different people, but we are finite. We are not infinite like God. And so just as we are not omniscient as God is, so even the amount we can learn at once is limited. This was true of Adam and Eve before the fall because humans have always been finite. How much more true is it post-fall because of the noetic effects of sin? That is, how sin and the fall affect our brains. That is a long way of getting to the point that grinding a ton of information at once will almost always lead you to not remember as much of it as if you learned it over a longer period of time. How many of you had high school teachers and or college professors who told you something along the lines of studying for 15 minutes a day for eight days leading up to an exam will leave you better prepared for it than two hours the night before with no studying for it the previous seven days? They are the same two hours total either way, but one lets your brain comprehend a little a day over a longer period of time and revisit the same material multiple times. And that helps you to better remember and recall the information you learned. We're going to do a lot of applying that concept in this episode. Also, I'm going to nuance what I said a bit. Instead of saying study, studying 15 minutes a day, for eight days prior to the exam, I'm going to say studying 15 minutes a day for eight of the nine days prior to the exam, taking Sunday off because I am Sabbatarian. I just felt uncomfortable with not adding that comment at the end there, like almost like I was promoting breaking the Sabbath. I know I'm being dumb, but I just wanted to say that. I want to take a few minutes to use myself and as, as an example to explain with a real-life example the concept we are covering in this episode. As for the learning a bit over a longer period of time instead of cramming concept, I've applied that concept to reading for a long time. Now that I'm married and have a child, this is not as applicable to me as it used to be because I don't have as much time to read as I used to. But when I was single and reading a lot more, 
Now most of my studying comes from podcasts and audiobooks. But back then I would, if I planned to read several chapters in a given day, I would tend to read one chapter from multiple books rather than multiple chapters from one book. Or at least I would make that my goal. Sometimes I just wanted to keep reading whatever book I was in. Doing so would help me remember more from each book I read by reading it over a period of time, by spreading it out over a longer period of time and into smaller chunks. If possible, I would even take breaks between books and even read them in different locations because my mind remembers where I read and heard things. I can picture where I was when I read or heard it for the first time. So having different places to read different books can be helpful. I would apply this concept of slowing down books over time to both fiction and nonfiction. When I read The House of Many Ways, the third book in the Howl's Moving Castle series, which the movie by Miyazaki of the same name is based on the first one, or should I say loosely based on the first one, I read that book, That House of Many Ways, in three or four days, even though I could have read it in a single day. In fact, I was planning on taking longer than that to read the book, but I got impatient and ended up reading like half the book in one of the days in that last day because I really wanted to know what would happen. But I did slow it down over a few days and doing things like that with whatever book I happen to be reading at the time helps me to remember the things in the book better than if I had read the book all in a single day or with a longer book that's not possible in only a few days. So all of that is the concept behind this episode. But how do we apply it to debunking the statement, or should I say the excuse, I can't do that? It is because we need to be patient when we see someone doing what we would like to do, but think we never could. Do not think because there is no way I could do that right now or sometime in the near future, then I could never do it. Instead, make steps towards how you can get there over a period of time, whether that period of time is months, a couple years, or a decade, or even more than that. To use myself as an example again, some of you listening might look at me, or I guess listen to me since this is a podcast, listen to me and All I know about theology and you think you can never be where I am. First, I just want to tell you that if you think that about me, I probably know a lot less than you think I do. Several years ago, while involved with Dead Men Ministries, I told Brandon Scalf that I didn't realize how much of this is just flying by the seat of your pants. And he told me that everyone is like that. And the only person who is not is Steve Lawson. He said that as a joke because even Steve Lawson is probably like that sometimes. But all that to say, I'm not as organized, though I like things to be organized. Sometimes I don't have the time to put into keeping things as organized as I'd like them to be. A lot of times I don't. I like things to be organized, but me and I'm sure many of the other people you look up to do not have things as put together as you think we do. I learned these things I talk about either over a longer period of time or within days of the episodes dropping as I prepare for these things I talk about in these episodes. 
the episode about the Jubilee last year, which I highly recommend if you have not listened to it yet. I learned a lot of what I talked about in that episode while doing preparation for it. I spent a lot of time reading Gary North the same week that episode dropped, getting ready to talk about all of it. I am probably nowhere near as smart as some of the people listening to this podcast think I am. Going way back, I am no one special that you should think you can never know as much about scripture and theology as me or anything like that. I'm not the son or grandson of a pastor or missionary. The closest I have to anything like that is my dad, when he was a kid, went to Temple Baptist Church in Detroit. Although I doubt many people under the age of 50 know about that church and know who Dr. G.B. Vick is. I grew up in a Baptist Bible Fellowship International Church. I grew up doing Awana and even got my Timothy Award, but family devotion was something I don't think I ever even heard of until college, let alone something my family practiced. In middle school, when I switched to the private Christian school I would end up graduating from, I thought I was the dumb kid that didn't know all of this stuff about the Bible that all of my classmates knew because they had been going to this school for years. It wasn't a classical Christian school by any means, although that is the type of education I plan to give to my children. All that to say, I don't have some prestigious theological education. Like, I guess the Timothy Award, maybe a little bit, but my background isn't some super prestigious education. It's probably pretty similar to many of you listening to the podcast. Then when I was 13 or 14, I started actually reading the Bible because I wanted to, not because someone told me to. Several years later, I discovered that some of my classmates had these things called study Bibles. I was probably like 16 at the time when I even found out what a study Bible is. And once again, I thought these are the really smart kids who know the Bible really well because they read these new study Bible things I had just discovered. By the age of 17, when I asked for one for Christmas, I had read the Bible twice. In the KJV, which at the time I thought was the best translation because the BBFI that I grew up in was more on the independent Baptist side of things. Over the next year, I probably read over half the Bible in that study Bible with every single note at the bottom of the page. Around the same time, I started listening to Todd Friel, John MacArthur, and David Wood. Although I later stopped listening to David Wood for James White, who has much better apologetics toward Muslims, in my opinion. And James White is also good on many other issues as well. It took some time for me to get into James White at first because I did not like that he was a Calvinist and argued that the KJV was not the best translation. But after a year or so of studying each of those things to prove myself right, I ended up proving myself wrong and changing my position and then started listening to The Dividing Line regularly several months later, as I still do to this day. So I went from the seventh grader feeling dumb in my knowledge of the Bible compared to all the other kids at my private Christian school to the freshman at a Christian college who impressed my classmates with how much I knew because of my discipline to read scripture and study regularly over a course of years. In college, I started getting into podcasts. First, it was Al Mohler's The Briefing, James White's The Dividing Line, 
and Jeff Durbin, Luke Pearson, and Joy Hunter's Apologia Radio. Before long, I had added to that cross-politic, sheologians, and wretched radio, and when we understand the text. Now, there are several dozen podcasts I keep up with regularly. I'm able to do that by listening to them over two times speed, sometimes even up to three times, and listening while doing other things like driving to work or cleaning the house. All of these changes, each one small, over more than a dozen years is what took me from that kid who felt inferior in my knowledge of the Bible to all these other kids to who I am today. I'm not saying that to brag on myself, but to use myself as an example that if I can do it, then anyone can with small changes over a number of years. And so that was more on the theology side. What about when it comes to business and side hustles? There I'm still very much on my way of small, te- small, small steps to get there because I've not yet started a business. But I'm listening to podcasts and thinking through ideas and working on that. And you know what? I am much closer now than I was at eight years old when I was watching Ed, Ed, and Eddie and wanting to start some sort of business to make money because that is what almost every episode of that show was about. And that is not just true about my going from being that little kid who knows nothing to today someone that some people think knows a lot. It is true about most, if not all, of those people you look at and think, I could never get there. I could never do what they do. They aren't superhumans. Some of them might have an IQ a bit higher than yours, but others of them might have an IQ a bit lower than yours too. They just had to be disciplined in a particular area over the course of years to get to where they are today. They set schedules and or made goals and stuck to those plans for months and years on end. So do not drop everything and recklessly, which is not an attribute of God nor his love, do not drop everything and rush along recklessly with abandon. If you want to trade stocks and make a living off of that, but you've never done anything with the stock market more complicated than signing up for an index mutual fund, do not decide that this will become your new full-time gig tomorrow. Do not quit your job and take out a loan to cover your expenses for the next three months while you quote-unquote make it trading stocks. That is asking for a lot of trouble. Instead, spend an hour a day doing research on the stock market five days a week for a month. It can be more or less than that. I'm just giving a random example of a month. Then spend that hour or even two hours a day trading stocks, which will actually be, actually be a lot of time researching stocks to figure out which ones to buy and which to sell right now. Learn about other things related to the stock market like options, not just the stocks themselves. Once you have been doing that for an hour or two a day, five days a week for a long time and are good at it, you can start teaching others for a fee. Maybe after several years, between what you make on the market and what you make teaching others how to trade stocks for themselves, you're able to quit your full-time job and do this full-time 
or maybe it will always be only a part-time job you do a handful of hours a week. All that to say, do not make some reckless decision that will hurt you in order to try to get to where you want to be in a few days instead of a few years. Instead of that, plod over time. When I was describing that example with the stock market, that was exactly what I was telling you to do. Really, this entire episode has been about that. Do a bit at a time regularly over a long period of time. Spend 15 minutes a day studying for that exam for a dozen days prior to it, and you will do better than if you spent three hours, the same amount of total time, the night before with no previous prep. Have a longer time horizon for when you think you will be done or when you will quote-unquote get there. I know this is overdone, but it's still true. Rome wasn't built in a day. Sometimes cliches are accurate. If you're post-mill and agree with me that God works over thousands of years, or even if you aren't, you still think he does that because there were thousands of years from the fall to Noah and thousands more from Noah to Jesus and another 2,000 years from then to now, If God can take that long to do things, why can't we take a few months, a few years, a few decades to accomplish things in our lives? And yes, I know that God created time and lives outside of it, but he still did these events in time and made his creation wait so long for each of these things. Take small steps and do not despise the day of small beginnings. If you want to start a woodworking business, but have not done any work with wood since you were a kid, watching some YouTube videos might seem like a small and inconsequential step, especially when going out there and actually working on wood is more fun. But if you have no idea what you are doing, let someone who does teach you before you start. That is a small step and a day of very small beginnings, but it is an important step. Remember that patience is a virtue and this American concept of I gotta have it and I gotta have it yesterday is not always a good thing. It often costs us. It costs us monetarily when we put something on credit cards or take out a loan for it because we are too impatient to put aside the money for it over time. So instead we get it now and put aside the money after the fact to pay it off with interest. If you want to start a side hustle big and take out a loan for it and it flops, now you not only have a failed side hustle, you have a loan to pay off. Whereas you would have only the former if you had tried to do it in small steps over time, using only the money you have available to you to pay for it. If you start to make small changes, do not worry if they take a while to show big results. In fact, even after two or three months of incremental steps, if you still see no results yet, do not quit. Starting a side hustle can easily take up to two years before you see sizable results because you're honing your skills, you're making improvements in the product or operations involved in selling it, and you're getting your name out there, you're getting a reputation for yourself and for 
the quality of your work. So keep plodding along and after a few years, you will not recognize how you were before you started. If you want to apply this concept to learning scripture and theology, plot away at it and be patient for months and years. However much you are reading the Bible each day right now, double or even triple it. If you're not reading scripture every day right now, start with one chapter a day. Once you have the hang of that, do two, and eventually three, since three will get you through the whole Bible in about a year. Eventually, you can go for more than three and try to get through the Bible multiple times a year. If you're too busy with family to read that much, read it out loud to your family so you're doing both at the same time. Besides, reading out loud should help you remember it better than reading in your head, and it would do your family good to hear you reading scripture. While doing that, read a good book on the side, even if it is just a page or two a day. You can get through that massive 700-page-long book by reading two pages a day for a year. Read a good book for just 10 minutes a day if that is all you have time for. Some recommendations I have if you want to get a better understanding of Scripture and how to interpret it and theological things related to Scripture are Grasping God's Word, Calvin's Institutes, and Theonomy and Christian Ethics. If you want to apply this concept to learning business or side hustles, plot away at it and be patient for months and years. Be faithful to your side hustle at the beginning when it feels like it is making so little money, it is not worth the time investment. And eventually it probably will be worth it, and then some. But you need to keep at it for a year or two or more to get to that point. And this is not something I am just saying to you all. This is something I have to remind myself as I look at new ways to create more income for myself because I am losing my current second stream of income here soon and need to find a way to replace that income. I need to remind myself that the path I choose might not make much at first, nowhere near what my second stream of income was making. But if I persevere and keep getting better, what I do next could be making me more money than this current second stream of income that soon going away ever did. I want to close with this quote from John Moody. Apply it to what you got out of this episode however you see fit for your specific situation. And to not be too relative there, I say to use it as you see fit with authorial intent, not reader response. And if you do not know what those words mean, I once again recommend the book Grasping God's Word. Now I'm rambling, so let's just get to that quote. These small realistic daily things you do will always outperform the idealistic grandiose things that you will never do or never sustain doing. Let me repeat that. The small realistic daily things you do will always outperform the idealistic, grandiose things that you will never do or never sustain doing. That was this week's episode of Theonomony. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law 
in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Satisfies me Your law is sweet Oh you